Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus this is Bustin' Loose Baseball with Grant and Danny. Interviews, analytics, and analysis on everything baseball in the nation's capital. Let's talk about the system then. We'll go in order of MLB Pipeline and how they rank the prospects for the Nationals to start. Uh, they've got James Wood at the top of the system. And that's correct, in my opinion. There was a big debate start of the year, Wood versus Green. You guys know I've been on James Wood. I I just like the bat more than uh, Elijah Green. Wood's 20 years old. He was acquired as the centerpiece in the Juan Soto deal, went to IMG Academy in Florida, was the 62nd pick in the 2021 draft. He's a massive guy at 6'6", plus 240 pounds. Uh, He runs. He's a plus runner. I saw him in Fredericksburg several times last year and was just blown away with how he moves. It's kind of got some, to use a basketball term, Toby, like unicorn vibes of like just the, how big he is and how fast and, and athletic he is. Doesn't really have big holes in the swing. He can play center field with the speed and the strides. Uh, he dominated a ball for the Padres before they traded him. He was hitting about 340 with a 1050 ops last year, 10 homers and 15 steals in his first 50 games in his first pro season. Uh, with affiliated club and you know now he, he comes over to Washington and he's just been awesome man the numbers this year are not eye-popping in fact they're not even really all that impressive but he's playing at a really really hard place to hit in Wilmington there's been a lot of talk online this week about how unfriendly the confines uh, are in a plus ball for the Nationals but 33 games about 120 at bats as of right now five homers five steals 26 driven in in 33 games He's hitting 280. He's getting on base 37% of the time. He's got a 911 OPS, and he's really gotten hot. Last nine games, 11 for 34 at the plate, 
hitting 325. OPS over that time's around 1,200. He was on uh, Baseball America, I believe it was, Player of the Week this past week. I love what he's been able to do this year. He, he looks like he's closing on being ready for double A as a 20-year-old, which is pretty special. Yeah, and I was listening to some people talk about James Wood, some of the guys that follow the prospects pretty closely. And it's it's a good thing for baseball to have guys like James Wood. We're seeing some of these taller players come over and play baseball. Aaron Judge, obviously 6'8". You got O'Neal Cruz is 6'7". James Wood is 6'7". Ellie De La Cruz is 6'6 or taller. And Wood is an athlete. You mentioned he's got some of the the ability to move around. He was a basketball player. So it's a good thing to see that he can move around on the base pads. He can move around well in the outfield and play good defense. And then the most impressive thing for me with James Wood is the fact that he's six foot seven and he doesn't have a huge hole in his swing. You would think that a guy that tall would have issues getting to balls low, getting to balls inside, whatever the case may be. He might have an issue getting to the ball and you'd have some issues with contact. But when he did make contact, there'd be a lot of power. But that's not been the case with him. He's a good contact guy for a 6'7". And I think the ceiling for him is sky high. And he was someone that I wasn't super familiar with when they got him in that Soto deal. But now that you kind of learn a little bit more about him and see what he's done with the Nationals in their system so far, it's hard not to get super excited about what he can become for the Nats down the road. Oh, it's it's you can dream on it a little bit. And wasn't he just added? I should know this, but it was it pipeline. Just put him in their top 10. I think people were talking I about so. Yeah, this week. Eighth. Yeah. So eighth overall. I mean, he, he is one of the great prospects in the game. There's no doubt about that. Um, if you look at, you know, the, the Nationals on the season in their system and you look at strikeout rate. James Wood is like seventh among their top 30. Uh, among, you know, how often he's striking out. Uh, Brenner Cox, Elijah Green, Jeremy De La Rosa, TJ White, Jeremy McKenzie, uh, Royce Mark Cantana, like all strike out at a higher rate than him, which is to say is a power bat who is younger than his level and as tall as he is, to your point, to, to be able to control the strike zone, to be in the mid-20s, I think it is, in strikeout percentage, is uh, it's just a really good sign. All right, on to the number two prospect in the system, according to Pipeline right now. I disagree with this ranking, but we're going in that order. They've got Robert Hassel there. Uh, Hassel's another guy who came over in the Juan Soto deal from the Padres. He's 21 years old. I like Robert Hassel a lot. Uh, he's going to be a good major league player. I'm not worried about the fact that he struggled offensively for the most part since coming to the Nationals. I just don't view him as a big-time ceiling guy. Like, I don't view him as, you know, a several-time major league all-star or anything like that. And that's why I don't know that I like him being ranked second, but the floor is very high for him. Like, he's going to be a major leaguer. He's going to contribute for a lot of years to the Nationals. And frankly, he's closer than Wood and then Green and then House and then a lot of the guys we'll talk about. Uh, but he was the eighth overall pick in 2020, left-handed bat, plus hit tool, above-average defender, above-average runner. Uh, he started late this season. He was rehabbing in West Palm, uh, but he's now played in 27 games and has 100 at-bats. Uh, he played in Fredericksburg for a few weeks, and he's been more recently uh, in double-A as he's worked his way uh, back up to the affiliate he would be at. And won't be long probably before he's in triple-A and, and on the doorstep of the big leagues. Uh, yesterday, he went one for three and walked twice. That's interesting because the guy walks all the time now. He was on base three times. He's batting leadoff for Harrisburg. In 27 games this season, Toby, he's got 26 walks and 23 strikeouts. More walks than Ks. It's so rare. I mean, around here, the only guy in the big leagues that does that over the last several years is Juan Soto. 
you just don't see people, and especially young players, walking more than they strike out in today's day and age. But uh, to Assel's credit, I mean, he's walked a ton. Uh, power has not been there, and that's what I'm a little bothered by. One homer, two stolen bases, just seven extra base hits. So it has been a pretty disappointing offensive season. And I would just say in general, since he came over, uh, he has not hit nearly like he did in San Diego or like he's projected to. But that walk rate of 19.7% of the time is best in the system. So that's something he can hang his hat on right now as he tries to get the bat going. Yeah, the thing with Hassel and why he kind of gets left out of some of these conversations when you talk about Nats prospects is Wood has a sky-high ceiling. Elijah Green has a sky-high ceiling. Same thing with Brady House, sky-high ceilings. And I don't know that that's the case with Hassel. Like you said, he's kind of capped on what he can become, but he's the kind of guy that he comes through your system, he gets up to the major league level, and he just sticks there forever. And he just plays every day. He doesn't necessarily stand out. Maybe he's a fan favorite kind of guy that everyone wears the jersey of, but he's not going to be an MLB all-star. Like He's just a guy that you pencil in the lineup every day. You don't have to worry about him. He just gives you a solid player for your organization and that's what I think it is with Hassel so you know maybe he's a little high on a prospect rank maybe it's just because of you know what he's shown so far as a, as a floor but you know he's a guy that you want in your organization because when he comes over when he gets to the major league level when he's finally ready to go he's just going to give you an everyday player that you don't have to worry about and just leave him in the lineup and he gives you solid production every single year yeah if he's 280 and, and 17 homers and 20 steals or something like that and he plays good defense as a left fielder you know, that's a really solid winning baseball player in the big leagues. And I think that's probably what they're hoping he turns into as one of the pieces of that Soto deal. Obviously, you've already got Gore and Abrams in the big leagues as key contributors. Uh, and then you're, you're going to add James Wood as arguably and hopefully your best player uh, when he graduates. Uh, you'll eventually hopefully have Arlene Susana and Robert Hassel there as well. And if, if you get all those guys to the show, all five of them, it would be you know, an all-time return in the Soto deal, which is what they're hoping for. Uh, you mentioned Elijah Green. He's third on Pipeline. Uh, update on him, 19-year-old. This is the number three prospect uh, via MLB in the system, drafted number five overall last July. He's the son of a former NFL tight end and a pro bowler, uh, Eric Green. IMG Academy, just like James Wood. They were high school teammates, in fact. Uh, came out a year apart. Elijah Green is not quite as big as Wood, but he's huge. When I went and saw him, and I've seen him a few times in Fredericksburg this spring already, it, it takes you back. I just say he's a man. You know, he's a 19-year-old man. 6'3", 230, looks like an NFL build, to be honest with you, like his pops. You can tell they're in the weight room together a lot. Uh, he has a chance to have big-time power and big-time speed. 70 runner already, probably a 60, 65 power guy in his future if he, he hits – you know, the, the way that people think he's going to from a pop standpoint. Here's the question, though, because you don't really worry about the run. You don't worry about the pop. I don't think you worry about the arm. He's got a great arm. He's got a chance to be an above-average center fielder. The question is the bat and the swing and miss. This has always kind of been the question. He struck out a lot in high school, albeit against good competition. And this season, he is striking out at an alarming rate. Now, he's productive enough that it, it's not a disaster. Like he's hitting 245. His OPS is 684. He's in a cold spell right now. He's got just two homers on the year, lower than I'd like. But he's got 14 steals in 16 tries. So you, you got the chance to jump out of the yard every game with power. You have 14 steals. You play good defense. You're hitting about 250. 
even though he's got 55 strikeouts and 110 at bats, striking out about half of the time, like he's actually productive. So it's it's a strange profile in that way. But I will tell you that I looked it up last night. His K rate in terms of at bats and strikeouts right now is third worst in the minors among guys with his number of at bats. So the fears about him swinging and missing are coming to fruition here early on as a teenager in lower A ball. Uh, he's hitting 238 with a 600 OPS in 12 games in May. So slow start to the month of May, Toby. Yeah, he's very intriguing because he's got a sky-high ceiling like we mentioned with James Wood. The guy can run, like you said. He can steal a lot of bags. He looks like he could be maybe a 30-30, 40-40 type of guy, which is ridiculous and someone that you can really dream about. But the scary part is he's just swing and miss. And it's not even your regular swing and miss. You'd think with a guy like him that he's maybe got maybe like a Javi Baez type of thing where he can hit for power, but he doesn't have the discipline. He's swinging all the time out of the zone. He's chasing all over the place. But even that hasn't been the case. He's had 15 walks this year, so he's been able to have some decent plate discipline. His problem is he swings and misses at pitches that are in the zone. And so that's the thing that really concerns me with him is everything else looks like a star major leaguer coming forward. But the problem is he swings and misses at pitches in the zone. And you wonder how much of that is fixable. Again, he's 19 years old, so he's got some time before he's going to come up to the major league level. They're going to work with him. They understood when they drafted him that he was going to have some swing and miss in his game. Maybe not this much. Maybe they didn't expect this much. Maybe they think they can fix it. But that's the one thing that concerns me. The rest of it, sky-high potential, and I think is is really exciting and why a lot of people have him as their most exciting Nats prospect. But it does worry me that this guy has pitches in the zone and he just can't hit them. Yeah, so I agree with you. And and I'm not, like, panicking. I'm, I'm not even – I wouldn't even say I'm concerned, like, in the big picture. I, I'm disappointed by the production so far, obviously. But for me, I guess where I'm at is – Number one, I, I'd like to see a little more power. Like two home runs to this point is a little surprising in Fredericksburg. But I, I will say, again, it's he's 19. It's been a month and a half. Like we all need to just take a deep breath. Aaron Rodgers style. You were you were in uh, Wisconsin, right? Yep. R-E-L-A-X. We got to relax on him a bit. Uh, nobody should be panicking. But I, I do want to see him start to make more contact. And you you hit on something really sharp. It's the in-zone swings and misses that tell me that a swing adjustment of some type is probably needed. And frankly, James Wood had one. Like James Wood had a major issue with swinging and missing around draft time the year before. And that was the big question. He was considered a top 10 type talent like Elijah Green from the same school, the baseball factory, IMG Academy. He fell to 62, I think, in the draft, as I mentioned, because, you know, there were a couple of reasons, I'm sure, signability or whatever, but I think there was some concern about swing and miss. The Padres, to their credit, made an adjustment, and, and the rest is history. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Uh, Brady House, you got to like what you saw from him early. I will say, he killed it in April. It hasn't quite been the same in May. In April, he had an 11-12 OPS. In 13 games so far in May, his OPS has been 462. So he's struggling five for his last 33 in nine games here this month. But over the course of the year, about 80 at bats, he's been one of the more productive bats in the system for the Nats. Three home runs, 14 driven in, a 270 average, and 850 ops. 
He's got 14 walks to help balance out the 22 strikeouts. Uh, weirdly, I looked at his splits. Excellent on the road this year. 375 average, 1125 OPS. And in Fredericksburg at home, he's hitting just 171 with a 556 ops. But for people that don't know, House is the 19-year-old, number four in the system via pipeline. I would move him up uh, a spot or two. 11th pick in the 21 draft, and he's having a nice bounce back. Last year, he got off to a great start and then had a back injury. He's a big guy, 6'4", 215, was a high school shortstop. They drafted him as a shortstop. They've already moved him full-time to third base. Well, and that's one thing that's encouraging to see is a lot of people were down on him after he struggled in the second half of last year. You know, he was a top 100 prospect, then he fell out, and some publications have him in again. So it's good to see him kind of bouncing back. But the thing I like about this is if you just look at the Nationals and look going forward, say if we're looking towards 2025, 2026, we just went through three outfielders who could be the future of the outfield. You got C.J. Abrams at shortstop. You got Garcia at second base. And then Brady House hopefully slots right in at third base. Like, and Cabert Ruiz behind the behind the plate, you know, like you got really first base is open. Like, honestly, that's what's so exciting about this national system. And Brady House, I think, gives you a solid bat. And I think that's why it's important with these guys. You continue to develop them. The guys at the major league level continue to try and get them comfortable at the major league level and continue to grow them as prospects. But Brady House, I'm excited to see what he can become as a bat. I think he's got the potential to be a middle of the order type of bat, but you know, you've got a lot of sky high potential guys in this system. So hopefully in a couple seasons, we can really see these guys doing it in curly W's. All right, let's hit on a couple of arms here before we get done with our minor league report. And then we'll bring in Darius for a quick fair or foul. Uh, Harleen Susana. I mentioned his name earlier. He was the arm that came over in the Soto deal at uh, 18 years old last year. It throws 100 mile an hour. I saw his first start in the Nats of org. He threw 103 mile an hour fastball a bunch of times in that game, which was crazy. Uh, he's been at Fredericksburg. He's struggling a little bit. Has not been a good start to the year for him. He's only 19, uh, so that should be remembered. 6'6", 235. He's a massive dude. He's just huge. Uh, still touching 100 routinely. Uh, not anywhere near the 103 that he was. He's kind of been settling into the the mid to high 90s. He's like 97, 98 a lot, and he reaches back for 100. But right around 16 innings, 20 strikeouts, that's great. 200 average against, that's dominant. That, that shows that no one can hit him. Uh, only 11 hits in, in, in 16 innings is a big deal. 15 walks in 15 and two-third innings. There's your problem. And because of that, his ERA is over five was better last time. A week ago, Wednesday, so eight days ago from when we're recording, he pitched four innings, two hits, two runs, four strikeouts, looked a lot better, uh, threw the ball over the plate a lot more consistently. But that's what it's going to have to be. You know, if he's spraying the ball, uh, it just takes away from how dominant he can be. Yeah, I mean, command when you're throwing that hard is something that obviously just kind of comes with the territory. He's an interesting prospect to me because if you just go through the hall of the Soto deal – it almost feels like Susana was almost just like the throw-in guy to kind of go over the top. And, of course, you bring in a guy that throws as hard as he does, and he's so young. I don't know. Do you think, Grant, that he sticks as a rotation guy? Or he? you sound, you know, 103, a guy throwing it all the time. That just sounds like a closer to me. Yeah, when you see that velocity, and certainly if he's going to struggle to throw strikes, that screams bullpen. Uh, I love the possibility, though, and, and we'll see if he can harness it. But with his two pitches he's got now, fastball, breaking ball. If he could add a changeup and just be 96-97 as a starter, I just love the upside. You know, So you'll let him basically start until he proves he can't do it anymore. I think worst-case scenario, you've got an electric back-end arm. 
Like that's the worst case. Best case, just based on his stuff, he turns into a really nasty, potentially dominant starting pitcher. Uh, but the whole question, I think now, having seen a good sample of him dating back to last year, is going to be, can he control the ball in the strike zone over the plate? Can he command the ball? Now, the difference between control and command, people inter interchange those words, they're different, right? Control is throwing strikes. Command is locating. So control is over the dish. Command is hitting the mitt in the quadrant you're trying to. And I think both of those areas, more so even control for him still, uh, has been a bit of an issue. A much more refined arm in the system, uh, Jake Bennett. How about this guy? 22-year-old lefty. If you guys aren't familiar, he was the second-round pick last July for the Nats out of Oklahoma. So they took Green fifth overall, and then they took Bennett in the second round. He went to the same high school, uh, Bixby High School in Oklahoma, as Cade Cavalli. Then he went to college at Oklahoma with Cade Cavalli. Uh, now he's in the system with Cavalli with the Nats. He's been really good, man. Uh, last night he threw again, and he struck out nine in four innings of five-hit ball, gave up two runs, wasn't efficient at all. He threw 86 pitches. That has not been the norm this year. It just was the case yesterday. But for the season so far, uh, how about this, Toby? Seven starts for Jake Bennett, a 2.3 ERA, 30 innings, 40 strikeouts, 25 hits, 223 average against, and a whip barely over one. I I'm ready to bump him up from Fredericksburg, get him to Wilmington, and let him start getting challenged a little bit. Yeah, I agree. I mean, he's showing you this year so far – with the Fred Richburg Nats, that he's he's ready to go. I mean, and you point out the strikeouts, only eight walks. He's done a really good job this year, and, you know, this is what you get when you draft college arms. He's a little bit older than some of the other guys we talked about a year or two older, but you get a guy that's a little more refined, and I think that's part of the reason that you bring that guy in is, you know, you're looking for that fourth and fifth guy like we talked about earlier with Jake Irvin. So, you know, maybe this guy can accelerate through the system a little bit quicker, be someone that maybe comes up in a, a year or two, but he's shown some good things so far with the Fred Nats. All right, two more really quick. Jackson Rutledge, he's done some good things. A 24-year-old righty, I think a lot of people were ready to move on from the idea that he was a starter and maybe even that he was an impact pitcher for the Nats. But the 2019 first-round pick, their 17th overall pick, another huge guy. They got a type, don't they? They like size, 6'8", 250. Strong first half of the season so far in double A. So this ain't nothing. Like It's not like he's pitching in low A here. Double A, Jackson Rutledge. Seven starts, a sub-3 ERA, 2.7, much more consistent than the last few years. 39 innings, just 30 hits with 37 strikeouts, great numbers. 214 average against, excellent. 1.1 whip, phenomenal. Uh, Rutledge is a call away from the show. Remember, they called up uh, Evan Lee from AA at one point last year. So, like, they could start him in a week or two if they wanted to. Now, they won't. But my point is just to say, you know, he, he's going to get a triple-A call up soon, I would imagine. He could be pitching in the big league rotation. If, if they move Williams or, you know, something happens where they need a starter. Right now, it's super exciting whenever Gore throws, Gray throws, uh, now Irvin because they got a young guy pitching. Rutledge could be added to that mix sooner than later the way he's been pitching in double-A. Yeah, I mean, you're just an injury away at this point. Irvin's kind of stuck in the rotation now. Chad Cool on the IL. If something were to happen to Williams or Gore or Gray, maybe you just go ahead and let Jutledge the big leagues in. I mean, it's, I don't think it can be overstated with these guys that that 2020 season was so difficult for minor leaguers, and you almost forget about it. But I know it's a couple years now in the past. He's kind of had a couple years to grow with it. But you go from being in the system and developing to basically being off 
to then trying to come back and get back to that form that you were at in 2019 and then grow off of it. You know, I, I think you're seeing him take steps. You know, you go from a 7-6-8 ERA in 2021 with a couple different teams to now 4-9-0 last year to 2-7-2 this year. You're starting to see that growth and him get a little more comfortable. So I'd be excited to see him at some point this season. All right, last guy, and this one's just uh, for our pod listeners who have followed us here the last year. We've had this guy on a bunch, and in fact, our recent, most recent podcast, he was updating his recovery. How about Cole Henry, the old LSU arm, the 23-year-old for a second-round pick in 2020 who was flying through the minors. Nobody could hit this guy. His career minor league totals, a sub-2 ERA, and a sub-1 whip. I mean, he's been as dominant as any pitcher in the minors statistically the last couple of years. He got shut down last year, uh, 11-month recovery, had to have thoracic outlet surgery, back on the mound for the first time this week in Fredericksburg. That's low A. Three innings, gave up one hit, faced one over the minimum, retiring nine batters, struck out five. Uh, I texted with him afterwards. I can't imagine how happy he must have been. He said he just he was over the moon, really, really excited. But three innings, one hit. 5Ks couldn't have gone better for Cole Henry. And he was in triple A when he got shut down last year. I mean, another guy potentially who could be in the mix in the second half of this year. That's why I keep saying this is going to be a really fun rest of the year for Nats fans to see some of these guys graduate. Yeah, and I was excited to see what he could become and then obviously get shut down last year. Now it's just about the health and seeing if he can get back to that sort of form and early returns. I know it's a very small sample size, but looked good in his first start back.